Welcome to the Lifestyle Chase. This podcast features high performers who have found a way to live their best life while balancing their health, wellness, friends, and family. Proudly hosted by me, Chris Little. Without further ado, let's get started. So here we are for episode 29 of the Lifestyle Chase. I have with me today, Danielle McDonald. Did I get it? (laughs) Yeah. Do Do you prefer Danny or Danielle? Uh, I prefer, I guess I prefer Danny. It doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. Uh, people cool. just one day started calling me Danny since I moved to Edmonton and that's who I've been ever since. So sweet. <laughs> so before I pressed record, we were chatting about like how your day went today. Take us through like the busiest day that you've had in the last week or so. Oh God. Um, <clears throat> like just every day is pretty busy. So yesterday, uh, for instance, like I woke up um, got ready and I went to a course for work. So we went to like a stroke training course. Um, that was about four hours, four hours. Uh, ran around, did some errands, ran some errands, um, picked up like protein supplements, um, went to the gym, ran some more errands, <laughs> went home. I was, I was home by 9.30. I had gone to the, like to get groceries right before then and I meal prepped until 11 and then went to bed. So, Classic. yeah, because <laughs> I work tomorrow, so, yeah. yeah. So is it, like, with your work, is it sort of shifts or, like, rotations, or how does that work out? Yeah, so I'm shift work, so I'm, right now, like, I'm, I'm going to be changing my schedule as of March 4th, but right now I'm four on, four off. Yeah. Uh, two days, two nights, and they're all 12-hour shifts. Um, but you have the option to take extra on your days off, which typically I do, um, provided I'm not doing something else but I like to stay busy and I'm going to school in September so I need the money so sweet sweet. yeah (laughs) so let's get into your origin story because I basically know you from what I know of Instagram yeah and I can see you're like a paramedic and I've always seen you uh exemplify a lot of things that make up a strong female so that's (laughs) It, it stands out because a lot of girls are scared to be like, hey, I'm strong as hell. <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> and it, it gives people that that courage that they can be strong as hell. Because like, a lot of girls are squatting more than most dudes. And especially if you do it like for, for scale to scale kind of thing. Like, a dude your size, for sure, you would be stronger than. I can almost guarantee it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe, I guess, yeah. But Maybe. like, <laughs> that's cool. That's empowering. That's Thank that's you. like what we need to promote to people. So tell tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. Like, what what do you do for work? What makes you who you are? Okay. Um, well, I'm I'm a paramedic. Yeah. Uh, I'm born and raised in Prince Edward Island, Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. Um, I moved by myself in 2012. Didn't have a job. Um, moved right to Red Deer. Um, I had one friend that lived there, lived in Red Deer, so um, yeah. And I just I, right at the time when I moved, I was working. I was doing like investment work. Um, so, but I moved up. I had a little bit saved, like two grand saved. I ended up uh, getting a job at uh, ATB, and ended up working there until I was like, you know what? I am tired of office work. I've done this for, this was my entire career. I went to school for accounting, decided I wanted to do investments. Um, I was like, I'm just, I'm just tired of it. Uh, and I just quit and went to EMT school or paramedic school. Holy crap. (laughs) (laughs) And then, uh, yeah. And then I started working at the airport as a medic, as a paramedic. Um, 
And I should clarify, I'm a primary care paramedic. So okay. there's different levels. Um, and I guess, yeah, I've, I've been doing that for the last four years. And then I get bored and I start doing something else. So, um, you know, I got, I got bored and like, I, I like paramedicine, um, but I need something in my spare time to keep myself occupied. So I started mm-hmm. lifting. Yeah. Um, I, I was a long distance runner. That was something I carried, carried on from Prince Edward Island. And then I just decided, you know, I'm bored with this too. Uh, I tried rock climbing, like outdoor rock climbing, which I still love. Um, I tried, uh, powerlifting. I, I didn't mind it, but the three lifts also just, I'm not, I need more variety. Mm-hmm. So someone introduced strongman to me and I was like, this is cool. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, this is, this is really cool. Like I get to, you know, I get to practice overhead stuff. I get to practice triple extension. Um, there's so many random events. You never know. Sometimes if you go to an event, sometimes they don't, you know, announce what they're going to have at the show. So it's just varied and it's exciting and fun. And that's how I kind of got into it. That's awesome. Yeah. What was life growing up like in uh, Prince Edward Island? Uh, slow. Yeah. Yeah. It's a completely different pace Yeah. Um, from Alberta. And that was a learning curve for me. Because when I came out here, I didn't realize like how much of a country bumpkin I was. And I, <laughs> I, I lived in like t- like in town. Yeah. So I had no idea, like you know, what life was like out here. Um, it was a big transition. <laughs> like, what did you do for fun as a kid? Oh God, what did I do for fun? I was in figure skating. Yeah. Uh, and then I was in judo for a few years. Oh so nice. I did, primarily did judo. Yeah. Um, I ended up getting hurt and then. Not being in judo anymore. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, that, that's, I, you know, I tried to stay busy in activities. Yeah. How long did you do figure skating for? Because everybody I know that does figure skating, it's like from the point that they're like four or something until they're 16 and then they just stop. Well, yeah, it's c- kind of similar. I didn't do it for very, very long. I wasn't very good at it, so I didn't like it. <laughs> um, but I started figure skating, I think it was in grade three. Yeah. So I think I would have been seven. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Seven or eight. And, uh, I think I did that until I think right before grade six. I, I was only in it for two seasons, okay. two or three seasons. So if you could say one lesson that you learned from your figure, figure skating experience, what would it be? Um, I guess like that you're, it's never too late to start. Cause when I was in figure skating, um, I, like that was the first activity I'd pretty much ever done in my entire life, you know, up to that, that moment, I never really participated in sports or anything. Um, but you start at different levels and then you kind of practice amongst those levels. So I, I think I started on like level two because I was a little bit older, but I was still with kids that were, like you said, like four or five or like yeah. quite young. Right. Yeah. And at first I was a little embarrassed, you know, being you know, an older child and, uh, you know, having to look at the other children that are my age just killing it on the ice right but um you know I, I was persistent and I, I went into my first competition and I got third I got bronze and that was the first medal I'd ever received in my life so I was pretty proud of myself mm-hmm. regardless and yeah I guess that's a lesson that I learned like it doesn't really matter you can still make yourself proud it doesn't it doesn't matter what age you are or when you're going to start but you can still just nail it Depending, and it's, yeah. it's cool because I feel like you've been able to apply that to so many of the other things that you've tried. Oh. Like, like when did you start running? 
What's that? When did you start long distance running? Like how, what's your, your legacy story for that? <laughs> That's, yeah, I, okay. So, um, I used to drink a lot and like party a lot when I was in my teens and I just got tired of it too. Um, around whenever I was 20, I kind of stopped everything. Uh, I still drank a little bit, but I've never been like much of a drinker. It just doesn't interest me very much. Um, but I had gained so much weight at the yeah. time. Like I was, I wouldn't say overweight, but I was very fluffy. So I remember, um, and I mean, like there's nothing wrong with being whatever weight. I just wasn't feeling very comfortable. I wasn't healthy. Mm-hmm. I was smoking actually at the time too. So Jeez. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. I had been smoking since I was like 16. It's sort of just what you do in PEI. You drink and you smoke and you do drugs. So, um, yeah, like I was smoking, like I was not healthy. You know, I remember looking in the mirror. I went to go clothes shopping with a friend of mine, with my best friend, who's still my best friend. And I remember trying this top on and I could just see just everything. It just laid right out in front of me. And I, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy with myself. And just like looking at myself in the mirror, I wasn't happy with my life. Um, I had so many goals for myself that I'd never accomplished and I was like, you know what? Screw this. Like this is done. And the next day I, I ran. Yeah. I started running. I I couldn't run more than 30 seconds at a time, but I ran up and down the block and I came back and I'm like, cool, that's day one. And then the next day I ran and I just kept running. I was like Forrest Gump. Yeah. You know, I was just, this, yeah, this is not how I'm going to choose to live my life anymore. Yeah. And what so. were the first things that changed as you like built in these habits and changed, changed your, your day to day? Like every day you're like, I'm going to go out and run. That's what I do. I yeah. run. Like what changed? Uh, just, oh my gosh, everything. It was a, like a life changing experience. Um, I still love running. I'm actually incorporating more running into my training now just for my mental health because that's yeah. how much I enjoy it. Um, I don't it, it like helped me practice like or um, like mental fortitude, you know, to just like running is very hard. It's very hard and makes you want to quit right away. Um, but it you know, if you just keep like looking ahead and you're like, you know what? No, I'm going to make it to that lamppost. Okay. I made it to the lamppost. Like I'm going to keep making it until I hit those dumpsters. Like it, it, it makes you practice patience and you kind of run through the pain, I guess. So it, I guess, yeah, it just helps fortify your mind and you become stronger just in every aspect. Yeah. Right. And it carries forth into your regular life as well. Um, so that, that taught me a lot. Uh, I was eating better. You know, I was, I was pretty, like my stomach was all screwed up before from just not like taking care of myself and all that had kind of changed. Um, yeah, just everything. It was wonderful. So what inspired the move? Like when you, when you left PEI? Uh, (laughs) well, so I had been living on my own for a bit and both my parents kind of got sick or injured at the same time. My dad got really sick and my mom had been like, she had gotten a knee replacement and then was in a car accident (laughs) on top of that. So I was like, you know what, I'll move home. I'll help them out, I'll pay them rent. And then it's cheap rent for me as well. 
So I was living with them and you know, they gradually got better and I continued to live with them. And uh, I just was like, you know what, I'm, I think, I'm, I think it was like 22. I was like, I'm 22, I'm living with my parents. They're pissing me off. <laughs> like, I'm pissing them off. Uh, a friend of mine had, had moved and you know, I was making really good money. I was making like $13 an hour. And I'd been in my industry at the time for like quite a while. So I was like, you know, I'm done. And I just bought a plane ticket and moved. Holy shit. I left like... my car. I left my family. I left everything. <laughs> I moved. What was that like? Like the first day you, you land on the plane, you're like, shit, what do I do? Like, what was that experience like? I was crazy because I had never been on a plane before. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course, <laughs> of course you hadn't. <laughs> no, I'd never been outside the Maritimes. I like kind of traveled within the Maritimes even when I was a kid. We never went anywhere too poor. <laughs> yeah, just like wherever you could run. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Like, so yeah, I'd never been on a plane before, and then going to Toronto. I'd never been to Toronto. Yeah. Going to the Toronto airport and trying to navigate that, it was, uh, yeah. I still don't know how I made my next flight. Like, but I did, and yeah. Did it you look intense. like a lost sheep? Like, it must have been such a culture shock. Oh, I did. <laughs> yeah, I, I, like, I remember just, like, going up to the different, like, attendants at the different airports, and I'm like, can you please help me? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> can you please, like, tell me where the, what's a gate, and how do I get there? <laughs> what was the most embarrassing that thing that happened in your, your airport journey between, like, here and, like, because you, you settled down in Red Deer, right? I did, yeah. Okay. So, between, in that whole trip, what was the most embarrassing thing? Oh God, I don't, I don't know about embarrassing. I don't remember embarrassing. Memorable. I'll tell you the most embarrassing thing, because that was seven years ago. Yeah. It was 2012. Um, I do remember the most embarrassing thing that's happened to me, like, in transitioning into... Sure, that works. Yeah. Um, I remember I just moved. Actually, sorry, I moved and then I ran actually my first half marathon there. Nice. Yeah, in right there <laughs> at the Woodies. Yeah. And uh, there was like a medic at the end that I recognized from the gym and he recognized me. So the next time we were talking, um, he, or the next time I was at the gym, he ended up talking to me. And anyways, we ended up dating. And like, I would still been so fresh to Alberta and just fresh to just life in a bigger, like bigger city, you know, um, quotations, like not, Red Deer's not very big, but a lot bigger than anywhere in PEI. But anyway, so... I get there and I'm like, I'm dating him and I'm at his house one day and we're making breakfast and <laughs> I remember he's like, Hey, like, let's make fresh orange juice. It's like, absolutely. That sounds awesome. So he hands me some oranges and, uh, he's like, yeah, the, the thing's just over in the corner there. If you want to just, you know, make some orange juice. So I'm like, okay, sweet. So I like, I cut the oranges and I start like grinding the oranges on this thing, like, like the orange juice grinder, whatever you call yep, it, the yep. orange juice maker. And he looks over at me and he's like, what are you doing? I was like, making orange juice. <laughs> and he's like, you do you want to plug it in maybe? <laughs> <laughs> so it's this like automated machine. Yeah. And I had like no idea. Yeah. Like I'd never seen it before. Right? That makes sense. That makes sense. Like, I don't think I've ever used, like, an orange juice machine in my life. Yeah. Like, it's, a, it's the same thing, but you plug it in and it rotates. But, like, growing up, I've never had anything like that. Like, and I mean, that that's just something so simple that 
you know, it just kind of makes you think like the lifestyle difference, right? Like I couldn't have afforded anything like that when I was in PEI. Totally. I wouldn't have even like known about it, right? It's too bougie. (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, I, it was just stuff like that. And I started to realize like how sheltered I'd been just from a lifestyle difference. Did you guys have a microwave? Yeah, we had a microwave. Okay, good. Hey, I had to check. Yeah. I had to ask. A lot of, <laughs> a lot of like kitchen appliances, no, like different ones, but yeah, it was just just a lifestyle change. I was making, just, you know, I, I was making thirteen dollars an hour versus like twenty six dollars an yeah. hour when I was at ATB. So totally. Yeah. What what kind of a kid were you like in school, in elementary and in junior high kind of thing? Were you a jock? Were you like a nerd? Were you? Oh. <laughs> uh, I was kind of nerdy, a little bit. What was your favorite subject? What What was the thing that you were the smartest at? Um, probably math. Okay. Uh, yeah, like just anything that's like a logical, rational thing that I can like work my way. Like has a around. finite answer. Like yeah. Because like social studies and like I know I took a philosophy class at Grant McEwen and I was just like, what do you mean you answer this stuff? Like it's just yeah. people's perceptions of, of things they change the it's answer tough. changes right depending yeah. and like i could normally when i was in school i was good at english and stuff because i could kind of bullshit my way through some stuff. <laughs> <Classic>. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know the stuff that i enjoyed like i really enjoyed physics yeah um pre-calculus different things like that so so what inspired you to get into your first career because it was like money finance based kind of stuff completely different yeah um I just wanted to be somebody, this sounds kind of silly, but I wanted to be somebody that was like important in society that had a professional career. Yep. Um, I wanted to be like a chartered accountant. So the way the, the program I went into worked was you do two years, you get your accounting technician at Holland College, uh, then you go to university for two years, and then you go do like a, like a designation kind of like post-grad mm-hmm. thing to become a chartered accountant. So... Um, that was my path. And then I kind of realized I didn't like accounting. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. So, um, I still wanted to be in finance cause I, I like, I like the idea of getting up every day and wearing nice clothes and working with numbers. I love numbers. I still yeah. love numbers. Um, I remember numbers before I remember people. Um, so yeah, uh, I ended up just transitioning over like I did I, I wrote my um uh Canadian mutual funds course and then I ended up writing my Canadian securities course I wrote my IFIC which is like a insurance one I just yeah I kept getting all these like small little courses I ended up working like I said at ATB here in or sorry in, in Red Deer yep more specifically Stetler I traveled to Stetler every day um and yeah I, I like I, I didn't not enjoy my job it just I knew there was something else for me and something else I could be doing so and that's like so many people that I know that's most of the people who have any involvement in fitness at all yeah like a great deal of them not all of them but a great deal of them like completely changed their career wow what was the toughest obstacle that you had in getting your schooling because like how how much years of schooling did you have to do to get your your accounting and all that stuff uh so it's it was it, like a, it's a two-year program. Okay. Um, I decided kind of midway through that I didn't like it. Okay. Uh, so, which was good because I didn't, you know, I didn't waste their time. I didn't waste my time. 
Um, and but the other schooling, so like the um, Canadian Securities course, it's all at home. So, oh, okay. Uh, you take the course. You you still write in like a professional building, but you do everything um, to your own leisure, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so it's about a six month course. Yeah. I would I want to say full time because it's in two two sections. There's like part one, part two, and they're both very hard. <laughs> I'll, I will give it that. Mm-hmm. It's a very, very hard course to take. Um, I had to try it like multiple times before I actually end up writing even because just just even the course content is so so confusing, I guess. And, and um, it's abstract, right? Because you can't really see it. It's numbers. You have to just figure it out and, and you have to understand it right yeah um you have to understand the investment industry you you don't you don't get to see it if that makes sense yeah no that totally makes sense um unless you're looking at like a ticker or something you yeah, know what yeah. i mean but um so that that's a little difficult for people probably that are visual learners um i just kind of powered through it yeah i was just like this is gonna in the end be better for you so with it being like self-directed like basically if somebody didn't tell you to work on it you wouldn't work on it or like you didn't go to a class to do the thing. Yeah. So you had to say, hey, I have to work on this, right? Yeah. Uh, what was your biggest struggle with that? Because I know like there's there's tons of continuing education that people sign up for. And it's yeah. like, ah, I don't really feel like it. It's, yeah, you know what? Um, I have ADHD. I was diagnosed as an adult. And that's, I was very distracted while I was, yeah, while I was studying. So, um I would study for hours and hours and hours and maybe only have real study time for like one or two hours. Yeah. Of actually like reading, comprehending and, you know, going forth in the book. But, uh, you know, I would constantly like, I would have my book open and I would, I would be okay with the distractions. I would just kind of rein it in. So, you know, I'd be on my bed, I'd have the book open, I'd be reading and then if I felt like I was getting distracted. Nope, no problem. Just go on Facebook, get it out, and then go back. Yeah. Because if you force yourself, you're not you're not gonna want to do it, right? Yeah. So, um, it took me like probably longer for the first half of the course than it should have, um, but that's what I needed. Yeah. Yeah. It's totally. At home learning is very hard. <laughs> yeah. Very very difficult. So. So knowing that stuff about yourself, is there is there tools or skills that you've built for if you had to do another certification or something and like force yourself to focus kind of thing? Yeah, so just the same thing. It's worked for me actually in, in everything that I've taken because yeah. most of the courses when you go into investment work, um, most of them are all self-directed. Yeah. Uh, that's just how they, I guess, offer all uh, most of the, the small short courses. So... Um, I'm actually going to advanced care paramedic school in September. Yep. And that's going to be a mixture of at home, like online and labs where I have to be in school. Um, so it's going to be pretty much the same thing starting in September. <laughs> so that that's going to be a challenge. But I'm, again, like it's, it, it's work for me. So just, you know, maybe set a time. This helps other people. I don't do this, um, but it's the similar, same idea. Like, I can usually rein it in pretty good. Um, other people will set a timer. And it's the same thing. So set, set a timer for a certain amount of time of study time. Set a timer, allow themselves, whatever that timer time is, to, like, embrace their distraction. Um, go on Facebook, watch, like, a little bit of TV. Timer goes off. 
go back to studying and yep. so on and so forth. So that's a, that's a trick that some people do. I just kind of free ball it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if, if you have that self-awareness to rein it in, that's, yeah. that's awesome. That's great. Cause yeah. like, it's a skill that you'll need. It's just like being able to lift things. Like mm-hmm. you can't lift things if you don't know how to lift things. You can't focus if you don't know how to focus. Exactly. It's all stuff that you kind of learn right over, over time. I'm 29. I turned 30 this year. So it's not just, you know, like I'm learning how to study for the first time. Um, again, this is my second career and I've tried other things too. Like I learned, um, I took my personal trainer course that was self-directed as well. Took yep. my ACE Fitness. Yep. Um, and yeah, I just kind of like learn what works for you. Totally. You know, I, I forced myself to do them because I wanted the end result, not knowing how the process was going to go. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of worked something out for myself. Yeah. You know? Uh, what would you say are the major differences between primary care and the other one was emergency care that you're getting or? Uh, advanced care. Advanced care, sorry. Oh yeah, no problem. Um, a lot of people don't know the difference, right? There's a big difference. So advanced care paramedics, they can actually provide uh, narcotics. Um, they have like a, not just narcotics, but like a, a wide range of other drugs. Um, a lot of life-saving drugs that we like we can't administer. Um, as well as they can do like invasive, more invasive procedures. So they can they can actually like um, do some surgical procedures as well. They can intubate people, they can um, crike people on the road. Uh, they can, yeah, just, just, just a bunch of different things, right? They can use an IO, an intraosseous, um, which is basically like a bone drill. If you can't get an IV, you need to be able to get fluid and medication into somebody somehow, right? So mm-hmm. they can actually drill into the bone and, uh, yeah, like insert like a, a catheter and enter, yeah, put meds in that way. So they, they can do a whole lot. That's yeah. wild. What yeah. was your biggest motivator to kind of take that step up? Is it just the goal drive in you that just wants to keep going? <laughs> I Yeah, absolutely. Like there is that. And a lot of the advanced care paramedics that I've worked with, I really admire. Yep. Um, obviously some that you work with, like not so much or that, you know, that you look at them and you're like, if they can do it, I can do it. Yeah. <laughs> you no, know? No, like every, everything that we do, every field of work is going to have like that full spectrum. Exactly. And if you surround yourself with like the highest performers, then you're going to find yourself becoming closer to them. Exactly. And th- that's my thing too, is like, I've always like, I've always wanted to be, uh, a small like a small fish in a big pond is that yep. how it goes yep. yeah yep. instead of like the big fish in a small pond totally um because i learn from people that are better than me yeah um that's why i changed gyms when i moved here i was at terwilliger it was very strong and i moved to evolve and i was like whoa i am not strong <laughs> <laughs> and i'm still not strong um comparatively but uh, yeah like it, it's just the same thing so um working with people that i really respect um, that are, have just done so much in their careers. I want to be that yeah. person, you know, they inspire me and I want to be able to control a scene. I want to be able to take the lead on something and, you know, I want to administer some of the cool stuff that they do. Like, it's just, it's just a, a dream for me. Like it's, it just seems so exciting and noble and, and not that uh, being a primary care paramedic isn't, you do, you do have like a lot of um, things in your belt that you can save a life with and, and lots totally. of um, it, like excellent like airway adjuncts that you can use as well um, 
but ACP is just so much cooler. <laughs> so, <laughs> out of all like the the ACP professionals that you know, like think of a few of them and think about mm. what you really look up to about them. Think of like five qualities that stand out about Ooh. them. Hmm. Interesting question. Uh, yeah, I've got a few people in mind that I really admire. Um. this is probably like an overused one but this is like what stands out to me about these individuals is professionalism um we're pretty self-regulated in our career like they're supervisors on the road but it's just the two of you in, in an ambulance right um so you can kind of have whatever style you want some people are more lax uh some people are pretty like run a pretty tight ship right so um, but again, like you can kind of act however you want. Like you can, you can be like a, like a sailor mouth and you can, you know, it, it's just like I said, it's just the two of you. So, but the people that I admire are always professional, mm-hmm. right? They're always, uh, professional towards the, towards the patient, towards their partner, towards the general public. Um, I really admire that. Um, cause they, that means that they take their job seriously. They have, um, what would you say? Like, uh. They just, I guess, they just take pride in their in their job and what they're doing. Totally. Which I really respect. Yeah. Um, there are also people that are very logical, again. So they, every time you go to a patient, you have to figure out what's wrong with them, especially if they can't communicate to you. So you have to be able to do an assessment. Um, and then from your assessment findings, you have to kind of pick a bunch of different, like different differential diagnosis. So we don't diagnose patients, but what we do is we kind of come up with like a little short list of what this could possibly be given the signs and symptoms this patient is experiencing. And then you treat them effectively depending on that. So um, the people that I admire are very good at finding the problem, like identifying it and then treating it. And yeah. there, some people don't, some people miss the mark and treat completely differently, yeah. uh, follow a different protocol and um, sometimes it's detrimental to the patient, sometimes it's not, but um, the, yeah, the ones are just very logical and they're able to work through those problems and they're very thorough. Um, so I really respect that. I guess just, yeah, just generally like taking pride in themselves and their profession, like they show up to work every day, their boots are, are, are shined, um, their uniform looks good. They just, they've got all the stuff that they need on their belts. Some people are very bare bones. Like I'm, I'm pretty bare bones. I admit, um, I don't like having a lot of stuff on my belt cause I have my, I hurt my back. So it kind of pushes my back out when I sit in chairs, but they're prepared. They're prepared for their job. They start every day. Like they're early for work. They, they do all the courses, just general preparedness and, yeah. and just taking pride in what they do. Well, it's, it's a good example to have around you. It's the same thing as like being the smallest fish in the tank kind of thing. Yeah. You want people that are setting this example and have like great integrity to be around. Integrity. That's a good one. Yeah. And then it's going to rub off on you. Like what I found is by being around people who are very good at their craft within like, cause I'm a personal trainer and mm-hmm. I just moved my business to Evolve South actually. Oh, did you? Yeah. Oh, okay. And Andrew cool. Coates recruited me. So. Nice. Yeah. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah. And like being around trainers like that, I, I have to give Andrew a shout out because he just got his article released in T Nation. So that's pretty, pretty no damn way. exciting. Yeah. I didn't know that. Big stuff. Wow. T Nation. Yeah. That is big stuff actually. And yeah. uh, 
Mountain Mike, Michael Dietrich, just moved to Evolve South as well. Right, so okay, yeah. Just, like, people who have been in the industry for years. Mm-hmm. And I find that even if, even if I'm just, like, half-assing it that day, which I don't ever strive to half-ass it, but everybody has their bad days. Of course they do. I do, too. Like, these people who know their facts and want to, like, push the, the limit kind of thing, like, they're yeah. going to influence me in mm-hmm. some way by just being around them. So for you wanting to be around, like advanced care paramedics that are pushing the bar like they're they want to strive for more they're showing up their boots are shined like yeah you're going to be better for it exactly which is awesome yeah it, it's it, it's inspiring i kind of feed off the energy of other people sometimes yeah <coughs> and if i do have if i'm working with a partner that's more lax that you know they got their boots undone and they're um i it feed it, it feeds into my day you know and it doesn't mean i don't enjoy working with them and that they're bad people i just it's just not what i prefer yeah yeah well i mean everybody in the world has an influence on the people around them yeah like how i show up into my day and how you show up into your day is going to affect all the people that you come across exactly whether it's like the grocery store Mm -hmm. the gym like holding the door open for people right and so of course like for being around better people that are pushing the limit, Mm -hmm. high performers, you're going to benefit from it. Absolutely. Yeah. And another big one for me is um, how they react to calls that maybe shouldn't have been called in, like calls that probably didn't require 911. You know, Um, we get a lot of that. Uh, It's just like general education with the public, not sure why they should be calling, I guess, Um, lack of education. But, you know, some people are like, oh, this is bullshit, like, this is awful, I don't like this. And I've been guilty of that, too. Um, But the ones, the people that I respect, they're like, you know what, I I have a 12-hour shift, so if I have to show up and it's, you know, something that I don't deem as appropriate, whatever. If they want to go, they can go. Who am I to judge, right? This is is still their emergency. Mm -hmm. But this person is scared and, you know, I, I still got to do what I can. So that kind of type of attitude is so helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. Just like a, a positive outlook kind of thing. Yeah, ex- exactly. And it doesn't even have to be positive. It just doesn't have to be negative. Totally. Yeah. Have you ever worried that like a call like that might take away staff from a more urgent call or would that ever be a concern? Yeah. And you know, that that happens, right? Yeah. It, it definitely, it definitely does. Um, but usually there's still somebody else they just might have to come from further away okay right so depending on how the city's looking and, and um trucks sta- or yeah trucks that are staffed in the city at, at any current moment um they will pull trucks from suburban rural to come into town if if needed um that's that's on a, a rough day maybe totally. a day when it snowed and like there's lots of accidents in the city um it's just it just gets overwhelming right so like there's a lot of MVC or a, a lot of vehicle collisions on days that it's icy. Yeah. And I mean, there was one a couple of weeks ago. There was like 200 accidents. That's what the police kind of kind of stated on the news. And we go to those too. And even if it's just quickly, just to assess and be like, oh, you know, um, we can still take you to the hospital. We don't see anything um, immediately concerning to us. Even, even just to do that, and if they're like, no, I, I don't want to go, it still takes up time, right? Yeah. So it just takes up resources. 
And it's, well, it's just all kind of part of procedure because I've never seen like an accident that didn't have all of the emergency services. Like you get the firefighter, you get the cops, you get the EMS. Yeah, you want to make sure that everyone's okay. And even if they cancel on you, you still have to do your due diligence to yeah. make sure that, you know, pe- people aren't going to start walking and then, you know, Absolutely. knock something out of place yeah, <laughs> and fall totally. down. So, yeah, yeah, it is part of the procedure. So whenever I see like emergency services personnel, doctors, nurses, all those things, like they're dealing with like heavy, heavy days sometimes. Mm-hmm. Do you find that you have to like kind of balance out your mental health in some way? Do you have like a, a thing that you implement into your week? Yes. So um, this has been something I've been dealing with for the last couple of weeks. Um, I just like a slight decline in my, my, my mental health. I've noticed I've been a little bit more irritable. Um, I've been kind of carrying that with me. I kind of go through phases uh, where, you know, I'll be, I'll, I'll do that. I'll be more irritable towards people, and it usually is like after work. I'll be like snappy, and it's it's not because of I'm reacting to that person. I'm just reacting to my day. Yeah. Um, and I've kind of, I've I've been trying to like track my emotions and and trying to be like okay so. I feel this way and it was probably because of this. I had a very frustrating day and yeah, it it just, I've been journaling a lot, I guess. Yeah. I've been journaling um, to kind of process my emotions throughout the day Um, so I can recognize them and be like, you know what? Normally this situation would be very frustrating and I would carry, carry it forth and you don't even realize you're doing it. You don't, you really don't. Um, But that's why you that's why you you track it, right? And then also what I've been doing is at the end of the day, taking three things that I think that went well in the day. Yeah. That I'm grateful for. So and that's that's been very helpful. It's been um, changing my mind my mindset a little bit to from like negative self talk and, and uh, negativity to more po- like more positive. I agree. Uh, more positive self-talk, yeah. And even just on the road, like I, the way that I got my frustration out before was that I, I had a little bit of road rage, um, you know, and, and I found lately I've been getting way less frustrated at drivers. And that's, that's a big, big thing for me. So yeah. I know that my mental health is actually like I'm, I'm doing really good towards, you know, bettering myself in that way. So Well, it's important to like own own our health in all aspects because so many people Mm -hmm. are like oh mental health like i don't i don't have that they kind of shove that away like that just goes in the closet and never gets dealt with yeah gets bottled up and it's just like if it's kind of like how you're rehabbing your back injury right now yeah like just imagine (laughs) if you shove that into the closet and you're like i'm just not gonna talk about my back injury yeah and like 10 years from now you might be sitting in a chair just permanently Mm mm-hmm and not to say that's what would happen it's just like that's that's how we need to see mental health absolutely as something that we just take it we put it on the table we figure out what it is we get help if we need Mm -hmm. Uh, i think journaling is a great idea because i actually i don't remember what the source was but i heard somewhere i think it was a podcast that like writing out your thoughts Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be what you want for the future or what has happened to you in the past has like a scientifically backed way of helping you sort of process things and mm-hmm. think about them and absorb them and like leave them like have closure mm-hmm. and Absolutely. so many people don't honestly do that they're like i i'm too confident to worry about writing shit down on paper or don't need to yeah like I'll figure it out yeah like 
for yourself, I'm, I'm almost proud, I would say, because you've done all these different careers and you still have that self-awareness to write shit in a journal. Like (laughs) you, you have credentials, you have things that you've done, you have life experience, but you still know that you need to write stuff down. Oh, thank you. I appreciate appreciate that. Uh, Yeah, because I mean, I can't always like my head's always pulled in so many different directions. And like I said, I have ADHD as well. Um, And, you know, sometimes I just have a hard time internally. You know, I do so many different things throughout the day and I don't actually know how these different things are making me feel. We're very busy when we work in the city. You know, we might clear up from a hospital, we might get to a station, spend 30 seconds at that station, get called out again. Yeah. Or we might, you know, clear up from a call and just get tagged on another one right away. So um, we are quite busy and it is hard to sit down and be like, how did that make me feel? You know, and I mean, in your downtime, do you want to process your emotions or do you want to just eat? Eat and go to the washroom. Yeah, <laughs> like, totally. You know, so it's, you know, at the end of the day, I, I need to. Because yeah. I, I was getting, I guess, like I said, irritable and snappy. And it wasn't fair to the other people that I was interacting with. It's not fair, you know, to the cashier at the grocery store for, for me to get snappy, even though, you know, maybe I wasn't pleased with the service or whatever. It's not, it's not fair. No. So I need to do my best. Um, like I'm a public service worker, essentially, right? And I need to be that all the time. I need to do that in my off time as well. And in order for me to do that, I need a, uh, yeah, like a healthy mental health. Yeah. Yeah. Healthy brain. Yeah. So totally. Yeah. Do you find that because like in the situations that you come across, like there can be some tough catastrophic events that you're the first one of the first people called to the scene like how how do you get closure from that if it's like a heavy day like i can only imagine you've probably had to deal with like maybe some deaths or something and it's not like i'm trying to make it dark it's just no there's gonna be other people that listen to this like firefighters ems nurses doctors all this stuff what what is your best way to kind of move on or 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 whatever it is um you know we get uh we do see death a lot you know be it we you know we roll up on scene and cpr is in progress and that person is essentially dead and or in cardiac arrest um and or you know we see people that are on their way out and they're in palliative and and you know that's quite sad too or you know we go on scene and they're already dead you know and, and they're beyond resuscitation so um, I guess the important thing that I do is I disassociate, you know, um, I, I, I basically, I, I sympathize, but I can't empathize. Yeah. I can't. Yeah. Once you start empathizing with every single call that is, um, dark or sad or, or tragic, you, you're going to end up losing your emotions. Like you're going to end up losing yourself in those calls. Right. Um, it's going to affect you a lot deeper than if you were able to just dissociate from it, right? Um, which is probably, like, I don't want to... It might sound kind of dark to other people that aren't involved in emergency services, but it's what you have to do. You have to protect yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's a big one for me. We don't always get closure. Uh, sometimes we're still at the hospital doing our paperwork and we're able to kind of check in. 
um, especially if like CPR is in progress. Uh, if we're there for the next like 20 minutes, half hour, we're able to see, okay, was this person resuscitated or not? So um, you can kind of get closure that way. Um, but for other things, sometimes you don't, you know, and you just have to be okay with the fact that you don't know what's going to happen to this person. Yeah. It's kind of something that you just have to compartmentalize and just let go. Yeah. So, um, yeah, there's, there's definitely been patients that have gotten to me. Uh, I had one patient that was like palliative cancer patient and I'll always remember her. Uh, she was the one call that made me cry ever. And she hugged me before... Um, I left. I, I, I brought her back. I, she had just gone to, uh, <clears throat> just gone to her, her, the cross cancer to get uh, chemotherapy, but they basically said, no more chemotherapy. It's actually going to make you worse and you're beyond your cancer spread. Get your affairs in order. Um, so I listened to all that and then I took her back to the hospital that she was at because she had <clears throat> she was just being transferred I was on a transfer car that day or <clears throat> sometimes when the city is slow we do transfers as well um <clears throat> excuse me but I took her back and she was okay with it and that got to me I was like why are you okay with this you know your life is ending like wh how are you like I just couldn't process that um and her family was there and they were okay with it too everyone had let it go but me uh, and I'm not even involved in this woman's life. So I, you know, at the end, I was cleaning up and I, like, I'd given my report back to the nurse and the woman, the patient gave me a big hug and she was like, I hope you have a good rest of your life. And I was like, Kate, yeah. <laughs> and I yeah. just couldn't, I couldn't hold it in. And I like, I ran out, I cried for this like hour yeah. <laughs> and it was just, yeah, and, so, and, and I don't know what happened to her. I don't know if she passed away a week after that, two weeks, month, like, I have no idea. Then you just have to just deal with it. You just have to be okay. And you have to just, you know, if you had a pleasant experience with that person, you, you just need to know that you made, even if you, you know, even just transporting that patient uh, for, you know, a couple of hours, you need to know that you made a positive, you gave them a positive, positive experience mm -hmm. in the last hours that they have. So... And you have to think about it as, in a way, like she could have talked to anybody. She could have had any dialogue ever. Mm -hmm. And she kind of gave you a gift if you look at it that Absolutely. way. Yeah. Like, how much have you traveled so far in your life? What's the furthest away you've gone? Uh, I went to Thailand. And yeah. how was that experience? Like, what was your favorite thing about Thailand? Oh, gosh. Um, I went to Thailand, Cambodia, and Laos. And... Uh, uh, my favorite thing was, I guess, outdoor rock climbing. Yeah. Did a lot of that out there, so. What was the scariest thing? Uh, <laughs> the scariest thing was just, that was the first time I traveled outside of Canada. So. That would be another culture <laughs> That was pretty scary. Like, every yeah. time you step on a plane, it's like, what is this? Yeah, everything. <laughs> I was like, this is a brand new, yeah, environment. Like, I don't know what that thing is over there, you know? <laughs> Did you travel with a group? Was it by yourself? Was it one of those like pre-structured trips? Yeah, it was a pre-structured trip. So I went with Free and Easy. Yeah. Uh, it was a 25 day trip. Um, and I knew two people that were also on the trip with me. So um, yeah, it was, yeah, it, it was good. It was interesting. It taught me a lot of things about group travel and taught me a lot about patience and um, taught me a lot about like, Poverty. Yeah. 
you know, poverty in other nations. Yeah, because we, we all think it's fun in games to go to some country where it's cheap to go to that country, but then when we actually look around, like, maybe look past our tour mm-hmm. guide, yeah, then it's like, oh, well, like, their, their standard of living is much different than ours. Absolutely. You know, and I always thought that I had grown up, like, relatively impoverished. Like, not... My family, I would say for PEI, was, like, you know, middle class, but then when you look at the rest of Canada our middle class is not the same as the rest of Canada's middle class. So I, I always thought that I was like relatively impoverished. And then going like somewhere like Cambodia, I was like, I have, I like lived like a queen, you know, and it was pretty eye opening. Um, I still think that it's better for us to help people in our own backyard. Um, there's a lot of people that like, you know, go on uh, mission trips and everything. And that's you know, a beautiful thing. But there's still people that are suffering in Canada that need our help, right? So, but it was eye-opening to, like, other cultures. And it was like, what, you know, what can we do? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, it was pretty sad. In Cambodia, anyways. Yeah, Cambodia totally. was the worst one. <laughs> because of the Khmer Rouge and the genocide and everything, they're still recovering from all that stuff, so... Yeah. yeah, well, I, I've had a few friends that, like, traveled there and, like, they just had this moment where it just kind of sunk and it's like, wow, like, I look at my life like I am the victim and then yeah. I see this and it's like, no, we, we just kind of need to yeah, realize good. what we have and not take things for granted so much. Absolutely, yeah. And then you think about, like, with your career mm. path, you've always had, like, a passion to find your truth. That's, that's what I would say. Mm. Like, yeah. it doesn't matter if... If you have to change it over and over, it's just, you're just going to find the thing that's the best fit for you in that moment. So when you think about your interaction with, with that patient that you lost, like Mm -hmm. she told you that she hopes that you live your life well, like, and you can carry that sentiment on for years. Mm-hmm. And if you have like a shit day, you have to be like, no, no, I have one job and that is to live my life well. Because so, of this woman that c- couldn't. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's mm. such a gift. And like, I mean, I hate being like positivity Pete over here. But like, <laughs> you need it, right? Yeah, you need like, it. <laughs> people, people need perspective. Yeah. And especially in like the, the emergency services industry. Like there's, there's firefighters that cannot deal with the PTSD. There's people mm-hmm. who have to be have to have tons of support that were in the army, their veterans, just all these people that it, it could be just the way that they're too, too empathetic and it just like wrecked them. Like I think about the industry of serving people that you, it's out of your control. They might die. Something bad might happen. I'm like, mm-hmm. I couldn't handle it. It would destroy me. Yeah. Cause like I am wired to be like full on empath. Mm-hmm. Like this podcast is to help people. Yeah. And so if if something was that far out of my control and I had to show up and just watch somebody pass away, mm-hmm. I it would wreck me. Yeah. And so every time I come across somebody that can do it, that has that mental strength to like, to journal at the end of the day, to do whatever it takes, mm-hmm. I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> so that, that's a big part of why you're on this podcast because you exemplify like physical strength. You, you create an example for people who are just getting started in the gym that are like, ah, you know, like the idea of like being strong and female is, is I, it's not possible. I'm like, oh, pff, it's possible. It's freaking <laughs> super possible. Like <laughs> I think you. on your Instagram, there's a picture of you just lifting up a dude. And I'm like, that's <laughs> the, the perfect <laughs> <Yeah>. personification. <laughs> of, like, yeah, thanks. 
girls being strong like oh that's funny yeah because <laughs> people think like strong woman and they're thinking like oh it's just like a six foot eight just giant giant lady but like you've got a smaller frame like you but you're strong you make yeah. the most of what you have which is what we should all do with our life mentally and physically just make the Thank most you. of what we have absolutely <laughs> i totally agree with you yeah <laughs> So I got some quick questions. Sure, yeah, absolutely. Pizza or lasagna? Ooh, oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize you're going to bring the tough questions out at the end. Uh, I'm going to have to go with pizza. Okay, what's your favorite kind of pizza? Oh, uh, people are going to hate me, but like Hawaiian? <laughs> I, I support that. Like, <laughs> okay. Pineapple I think pineapple is okay on pizza. Like, Thank you. You got you to gotta have variety in life. Yep. What's your stance on Donair pizza? Nope. What the hell? Wow, I know. And I'm from the East Coast, right? You'd so, think you'd like Donair pizza. No. Is it because you're from the East Coast that you don't like it? I just don't like Donair meat. I don't know what it is. That's fair. It's That's very foreign. Like, it's, what is it? You know? What, what animal does it come from? And where in that animal does it come from? It's just, I can't do it. It's like the hangover baloney. <laughs> like, you, you don't, yeah, you do don't know, and you just would rather not know, and you just yeah. like the sauce, and it's all good. Exactly. Like, pineapple is refreshing. It's yeah. a treat. You know, yeah. I feel like I'm on a tropical island eating pizza. And then you've got this other stuff where I'm like, am I, like, yeah, am I in a pig pen? Like, what is this? <laughs> I don't pizza? think I've ever been to a tropical island that gave me Hawaiian pizza, though. Like, just takes you away. Oh, it does. Just, yeah, it just takes you away. <laughs> Oh, I'm totally joking. Okay, next question. <laughs> ice cream or cookies? Ice cream, hands down, yeah. Nice, nice. Yeah, always. I actually had uh, Dean Somerset on the podcast just before you. Oh, wow. And uh, I think he said cookie dough ice cream. So he oh just like, changed the game right there, put the two together. That's innovative. Very. Well, he's a smart man. <laughs> he's a like, very smart guy. The smartest that in the craft. It. That yeah. proves it. Yeah, <laughs> evidence right there. Next question. Do you think dogs are able to provide a PR for a person? Like, if, if somebody is in a gym full of dogs, do you think they're going to hit a PR? Like, no question. You have asked. to impress the dog. Oh, yes. <laughs> you have to impress the dog, yeah. I never so, yeah, even thought absolutely. about it that way. I've been like, oh, that dog likes me. I feel good and happy now. Central nervous yeah. system is all good. Here's a PR. <laughs> but no, you totally have to impress the dog. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're there. It's watching you provide a good example for the dog. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, next question. I probably know the answer. Dogs or cats? Uh, oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. I know. I know. I grew up with cats, and I okay. love them very much. What's your favorite thing about cats? I don't, they're just so funny. They take themselves so seriously, but they end up being so goofy Yeah. that it's hilarious to me. Yeah. I've seen more cats fall off of things than I've seen dogs fall off of exactly. things. Exactly. Yeah. You know, dogs em- embrace themselves. Like, dogs are, yeah, they're, they're like, yeah, I'm, I'm here to party, and I, I love it. <laughs> cats are just like, meh, and then they might, you know go under the tap and like try and like drink the water and you're like what are you doing (laughs) (laughs) you know that's awesome yeah as long as you're able to rationalize it i can accept (laughs) i can rationalize everything (laughs) yeah totally so that's going to bring us to our last question this is something i ask all of my guests if you could give one piece of advice to somebody on how to live their most authentic life to the fullest Hmm. what would that piece of advice be oh gosh i guess uh, that piece of advice would be to embrace, embrace change 
you know, um, don't be afraid to, to be strong. Don't be afraid to go after the thing that you want to go after. Um, don't be afraid of your goals. That's a big thing. Um, a lot of people are afraid of success because they're afraid of what it takes to get there. Um, but you shouldn't, you have one life and it's ending one minute at a time. A quote from fight club. Um, that's how I live my life. Uh, one day you're going to look back and you're going to be like, well, um, I didn't do anything that I wanted to do. And here's the end. So don't be afraid. Just jump in, uh, jump in feet first and figure it out. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And you literally did it. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. great chat today. Thank, <laughs> Thank you, you for joining me. Thank you. Great. Right. <laughs>